A date which will live in infamy. Both of those projects, initiatives, got off the ground because of the Guerrero. The 11 Olympic team members slain in West Germany. The Olympic Games. So geheist waren die Brüder in Amerika. Von Kaufen schaffen es es gibt Out of the 24 who were killed were Americans who had come to learn in Kevin. I say one million Jewish children who were made to be cut in Whoever heard such beautiful words, It is never too little. It is never too late, and it is never enough. Jewish History Soundbites, bringing alive the world of our glorious past. Here is our host, live from Jerusalem, Jewish historian and tour guide, Yehuda Geber. Yehuda Geber with Jewish History Soundbites, and this episode is dedicated to Rebetzin Gita Rubin, who is the crown and queen of the extended Rubin and Klein families. May she be zeichet to many long and healthy years, and the schus of her illustrious dynasty of the Kamarna Tzadikim be a melitz yeisher for us all, dedicated by her devoted grandson, Yanki Klein. And this uh, episode, and the following episode, be two parts, is about the Kamarna Hasidic dynasty. A fascinating story, and um, we'll get to that in a second. I just wanted to mention that there was a delay in recording this episode. I apologize for that, and it's because I lost my voice, so I think it's back already. Maybe there's a, still a slight improvement still needed. Um, but uh, losing the voice is, of course, a good sign, and it must be a result of my recent uh, trip, first time back on the road in a year and a half, and it was a fantastic trip to the Ukraine, to the Baal Shem Tev. great way to get back into trips, or Blavi Yitzchak Reb Nachman, we were by uh, Reb Matal Chernobyl, Reb Mordechai Tversky, uh, the Chernobyl Lamagid on his yard site, and the Marsha, of course, in Ostroy, and it was a wonderful group, a shul in Lakewood from the Chestnut neighborhood, great Ruach, and looking forward to many, many more trips. So it was great to be back in that. Speaking of trips, there's an upcoming one that's open to the public, um, to Morocco, which should be fascinating. Uh, Morocco is a whole different uh, vibe, a whole different type of uh, uh, story and history and excitement and very, very interesting. I'm excited for it. It's going to be with ENS Tours and it's open to the public. So if you'd like to join me for that trip, you're more than welcome to do so. And we'd love to have some listeners and meet some listeners uh, on that trip. And you can, of course, contact ENS Tours directly at Info at endstours.com. Again, that's info at endstours.com for the Morocco trip, which um, I will have the privilege to be uh, going on as well. So getting back to the Kamarna Hasidic dynasty, a uh, very interesting story. I had, in my youth in the Mir Yeshiva, I had never heard of Kamarna. The first time I was exposed to it was when I went attended the uh, Kamarna Shtibel in Arze Habira, which is a neighborhood right near the Mir Yeshiva in Yerushalayim. 
And I was amazed uh, then by the amount of sfarim produced by the dynasty, which is one of the uh, dominant features of what we're going to talk about, because that's a theme of the dynasty to a certain extent. It was always very impressive what you saw in the Shtibel, aside from the fact that the Arzei Habira Kamar Nareba is a huge Talmud Chacham, the current one is a huge Talmud Chacham, and a Makubal Kabbalist. He studies Kabbalah with his neighbor there in Arze, uh, Rabbi Yaakov Hillel, also a renowned Kabbalist, but also a very warm person and nice. But what I what stuck out with me, uh, the most important thing at that stage in our lives as young Yeshiva Bacharim was the fact that the Kiddush on Shabbos morning, uh, so Kiddush, the Rebbe began to recite Kiddush uh, as the last Amen was being said, immediately uh, flowing into the Kiddush. There's no delay, no schlepping, no waiting. You got to the Kiddush right away, which was very, very important. One of the uh, interesting things about the Kamarna dynasty, and it's why I'm going to speak about it during these days, is, 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 is a very interesting feature that many of the tzaddikim of the dynasty, in fact, almost all of the tzaddikim of the dynasty, have their yard site, their passing was during Sphira, Sphira Sa'imer, during these days of Sphira. In fact, um, even even two or three of them, literally the week before Shavuos, where we are now, which is why I chose to tell their story. Uh, it's very apropos to discuss it uh, at this time of year and specifically during this week. I'm going to release these episodes in two parts, one after the other. So I'll hopefully cover as much as uh, possible. And that's why I'm spreading it over two parts. Part one, what I'm going to talk about now is going to be more of an overview of the dynasty. And part two will be more stories and filling in some of the missing parts that I didn't get to in uh, part one. So taken together, it's going to be a fascinating story of the Komarna uh, dynasty. So let's uh, get into it, um, and the background and the founders of the dynasty. There's, when usually we say in one breath, the Zidichov and Komarna, of course, I'm going to focus on, uh, Komarna, but I want to mention how Zidichov is connected and the story of how that's a background to its overlap with, with Komarna. Um, they both come from the Chayza of Lublin. Um, they, they, uh, they both were a Galicia Hasidus. They were never, neither of them were ever huge in numbers compared to other Galicia dynasties or in its geographical scope. Um, yet it's, it is one of the most unusual dynasties, both Zidichov and Kamarna in the annals of the, uh, of the Hasidic movement. And that is uh, because of its uh, res- uh, emphasis, both Zidichov and Kamarna, of its emphasis on Kabbalah, um, and its study of mysticism, study of Kabbalah, of Zohar, of Arizal's Kabbalah. Rabbi Tzvi Hirsch of Zidicha, who was essentially the founder of both movements, even though uh, really his brother, uh, Rabbi Alexander, was the founder of Kamarna, but he passed away at a young age, and and, uh, and his son, Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac of um, of, uh, of of Kamarna studied under his uncle Reb Tzvi Hirsch of Zidichov. So I just want to mention Reb Tzvi Hirsch of Zidichov, Reb Tzvi Hirsch Eichenstein. His name was Eichenstein, and the Zidichov dynasty always went with the name Eichenstein, whereas the Kamarna dynasty changed their name to Safran, which is the name they still have till this very day. So Reb Tzvi Hirsch of Zidichov uh, claimed that one cannot comprehend Tanakh or Gemara without knowledge, background knowledge of the Zohar and the Arizal's approach uh, uh, and his interpretation of Kabbalah, and therefore he demanded every 
Everyone, even young, should study Jewish mysticism, should study Kabbalah. Everyone is expected, expected to reach the level of the tzaddik, which was a radical uh, uh, saying at the time. Uh, not that there would be a hierarchy between the Rebbe and the Hasidim, but actually everyone is expected through his study of Kabbalah to reach the level of the tzaddik and, and the, the, the ideal of dveikas, the ideal of connection to God, as was originally prescribed by the Baal Shem Tev. In other words, you had a situation here where even in the later stages of the Hasidic movement, you're in the fifth and sixth generation and on of the Hasidic movement, where most tzaddikim were distancing themselves from the seemingly unattainable ideals of the Baal Shem Tev. And here in Zidichov and in Kamarna, they were striving for the pure or so-called, what they, what they called the authentic uh, Hasidus of the Baal Shem Tev. Uh, and uh, and 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 his means of of achieving that was through the study of Kabbalah. So, and writing Kabbalistic works, and even republishing old Kabbalistic works that predated Hasidism. In other words, the emphasis was on a a heavy emphasis on Kabbalah and studying Kabbalah, and through that to get to the pure or unadulterated Hasidus of the Baal Shem Tev in a time when uh, when most other dynasties had abandoned the heavy emphasis on Kabbalah, with the exception of Chabad. But even then, um, the Zidichov and Kamarna style was very, very different, uh, very different from, and they distanced themselves explicitly from the rationalistic interpretation of Kabbalah, of the Alter Rebbe, of the Mittler Rebbe of Chabad. It was a very, very different um, Kabbalistic uh, study and experience and uh, therefore they carved out themselves a unique place in the history of the Hasidic movement because of the role that Kabbalah was to play. And with that in mind, we move over to Kamarna. And Rabbi Alexander Sender of, uh, of Kamarna, like I mentioned, was the founder. He passed away at a young age in 1818. And his brother, like I said, it was Ritzvi Hirsch Eichenstein of Rabzidichev. excuse me. And both were students of the Chayz of Lublin. Um, their father, their father was the original Rabbi Isaac, when he came from the town of Safran. Um, so, like I said, Zidichev kept the name Eichenstein, Kamarna took on the name Safran, which was the name of the town. There was a whole story that was involved in his taking of the name, which perhaps we'll get to in part two. So, Yitzchak Isaac, the name was actually to ultimately feature prominently in both dynasties, so it does get a bit confusing, as it does with many dynasties in the Hasidic movement. So, Yitzchak Isaac Safran, the son of, of, uh, Reb Sender, is, becomes the, essentially the second Reb of Kamarna, but he's the main one. He's the dominant one. He's, uh, the one who comes to define the movement. He lives long life. He passes away much later in 1874. And he's one of the most prolific writers in the history of the Hasidic movement, writes, and it produces a prodigious amount of, of writings. He was known as Reb Isaacal of Kamarna. And he has one of the most unique, besides for the diversity of his writings and the amount, the, the sheer volume, he also has one of the most unique um, write, books that we have. Literally, there's almost nothing that compares to it. The only thing that comes close to it is Ram Nachman of Breslov, who um, ha- related stories about his own life to his son, Ram Nassim of Namarov, and Ram Nassim wrote it down. But here we have something even more unique. Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac, Rabbi Isaacal of Kamarna, wrote an autobiography of the first 20 years of his life. And, uh, and even certain parts of it are even a somewhat of a diary, a mystical diary um, about his experiences in mysticism. And he writes about the challenges in his life. Um, very, very unique. Um, 
It's, it's called Megillah Storim. It also has stories that he recorded about the Baal Shemta that he heard from others. And it goes, he goes through struggles that he had and certain powers that he had as a young child that he would go to the different tzaddikim and he possessed certain mystical powers even as a young child and certain knowledge and certain connection to the mystical spheres. And then he goes through the ups and downs that he had and he 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 openly discusses the the uh, the the struggles that he went through and um, and 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 things like that in his youth. It's a, really a fascinating firsthand about one of the great tzaddikim in the history of the movement. In his own words, describing what he is going through, he even goes on to say that he, in a messianic way, that he. Uh, seems to say that he was the Mashiach ben Yosef himself, or at least the potential to be so, um, and he was able to perform miracles as a result. Um, he had a, a, a complicated relationship at first with his uncle, Rutsvi Hirsch of Zidishov. He was an orphan, uh, but he got, better, uh, he got along better with him later on. They were very, very close. He became his primary teacher later on. Uh, he even lived by him for a while. Um, so mysticism and messianism play a major role in the thought process and in the life of Rabbi Zikol of Kamarna. There's a huge emphasis on the study of Kabbalah, Zohar, on Lurianic Kabbalah, and Arizal, um, even everyone from a young age, like I said, um, writing, he wrote Kabbalistic works. But again, the idea was that he would republish old Kabbalah's form that predated Hasidus and seemingly were unrelated directly to the Hasidic movement. Um, so, he saw himself, his, his job was to interpret the Zohar according to the Arizal's Kabbalah with the way of the Baal Shem Tev. That's the job of Kamarna and the Kamarna dynasty. One of his most famous farm, which he became to be known by, was the Heichal Habracha. But he also wrote a very unique Sefer on Halacha. And this also came to be a feature of the Kamarna Hasidic movement, is that they're not writing what we would call Hasidic Sfarim, or Sifrei Hasidis, or homiletic uh, svarim, which are uh, based on sermons that he delivered at his tish or at, or to his chasidim on other occasions, but rather he would write. They would write kabbalistic svarim, actual svarim that were commentaries on on kabbalah and also on halachic. Uh, halachic works. So the Shulchan HaTohar was his uh, halacha sefer, one of his halachas farm, and that came also came to be a theme of later um, uh, um, uh, uh, Kamarna Rebbe's that they would write Kabbalistic works and halachic works, and not necessarily what we would call traditional Hasidic works. And he wrote, of course, many many others farm. Like I said, uh, one time, in fact, the Pnei Menachem of Ger, Repinchas Menachem Alter, once came to a bookstore in Yerushalayim to purchase the Heichal Habracha of, of the Kamarna Rebbe. And he related that his father, the Ger Rebbe, the Mriemes, had come to him in a dream and asked him a question on, on some Torah topic. And his answer satisfied his father in the dream. And, and, and his father stated that the ans- this answer that his, that his son had provided it was written in the Heichal Habracha. So he now has an affinity to the Sefer, and he would like to purchase it, and that's why he's coming to the bookstore to purchase that particular Sefer. Um, he, in contrast um, to, just to summarize, in contrast to almost all other Hasidic leaders, then and now, in the Kamarna dynasty, A, wrote their own works. It wasn't that their followers or someone afterwards wrote down things that they said. They wrote their own books. Number two, 
They almost never wrote, like I said, homiletical works or summaries of their Shabbos or Tish speeches. Number three, they wrote on a heavy emphasis on Kabbalah. Number four, they wrote on Halacha. Number five, this I did not mention yet, their writings often contained many stories, even sections of the book on stories. So they became a primary source for stories of the Hasidic movement from early on, uh, even though they were a small um, um, part dynasty, but they became a source for many of the Hasidic stories that we have. And number six, they republished classic works of Kabbalah, which no one else did. Um, so the dynasty continues and spreads. Um, when the following the passing of Rabbi Zichel of Kamarna, Rabbi Eliezer Tzvi, Safran, the next Rebbe, the Damesek Eliezer, he's known by the main Sefer that he wrote, though he wrote many other uh, books as well. And he studied Torah with his father. He studied what we would call Nigla, the revealed portion of the Torah with his father. But he did not study mysticism with his father. He didn't study Kabbalah. And afterwards he had regrets that he didn't. So he prayed and cried and then he, that he should merit to study the, the Kabbalah of his father and grandfather. And he obtained the book, the same book, Eitz Chaim, authored by Reb Chaim Vital, the student of the Arizal, which his father and grandfather before him had used to study Kabbalah. And, uh, and he later became very proficient and one of the most respected and renowned Kabbalists in Europe. So just days prior to his father's passing, his father, Rabbi Zikul, appointed him, his son, Rabbi Yezer Tzvi, as his successor in his stead, and he even had him don his own clothing, a very ceremonial. And in those days, it was still the white clothing of the tzaddikim, and he, uh, he donned his own clothing. And the Kamarna, they kept the white uh, clothing, I believe, uh, longer than the... Uh, it came to... And sometime in the 19th century, the... The white uh, robes of the tzaddikim stopped, and and, and the rabbis uh, did not did not no longer wore uh, specifically white, which was in the original generations of of Hasidus. I believe that Kamarna kept it longer, if I'm not mistaken. Should double check that. Um, he passed away in nineteen in eighteen ninety eight. Um, the literary output of the dynasty is 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 literally is, is phenomenal. I mean, I could speak all day about the different books. Of course, I'm not familiar with the contents, but uh, you could, you could, I, the, in my research of the Kamarna dynasty, you just see the lists and lists of the books that they produced, both each Rebbe, the domestic Eliezer, and his father and his descendants, um, and, uh, and, uh, and, 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 but what was of particular interest to me was um, what I mentioned about the fact that so many stories uh, and tales and the history of the Hasidic movement originate in, in, in the writings of the Kamarna dynasty. Very interesting. Uh, one of the uh, great recorders of Hasidic history within the, from within the movement, not an outside historian, was a fellow by the name of Rabbi Israel Berger, who was a rabbi in Bucharest in Romania. And at the turn of the century, he wrote several volumes of, of uh, history and stories of the Hasidic movement. And one of those volumes, an entire volume dedicated to the Zidich of Kamarna uh, dynasties so well beyond its numbers and influence, it had its history recorded. Um, when uh, Rabbi Yezer Tzvi, the domestic Eliezer, passed away, so his son Rabbi Yaakov Moshe Safran uh, took him over in, in in the town of Kamarna. He was old enough to have known his grandfather Rabbi Tzak Isaac, as well as the Divrei Chaim of Tzans, But his primary teachers was Rabbi Avram Tversky of the Trisk dynasty and his father, the Damasek Eliezer. He had, this Rabbi Yaakov Moshe had a custom of traveling to his Hasidim and not waiting for them to come to him. 
So he would sojourn through the Galicia countryside to visit and maintain a relationship with his uh, his followers. His davening became legendary, um, and he would actually sometimes faint while uh, leading the prayers in his uh, in his shul. Literally, uh, just from the amount of energy he would exert while uh, leading the prayers, he would faint, drop dead, and, and faint. Uh, um, not dead, but dead faint. Um, he was very particular about not saying anything negative, which uh, which struck me because I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm pretty much the opposite. So it was something that inspired me. It hopefully, will inspire me. But he would not even say the word dark. He would rather he would say not light. And uh, and another thing which might be related to that is he was against any political affiliation, any political activity, and any political identity. And uh, perhaps that's related to his desire to not say anything negative. Um, and his influence was in uh, was in Galicia and even beyond, uh, within the wider context of the Hasidic world at the time. He had an influence in Hungary as well. Um, his son-in-law was the Mincha Salazar of Munchach, Reb Chaim Alazar Shapiro. Reb Chaim Alazar Shapiro in his second marriage, his, his, his first marriage ended in divorce when his first wife was not able to have any children, so his second marriage was to the daughter of Rabbi Yaakov Maisha Safran of Kamarna. Um, the only son of, of, uh, of Rabbi Yaakov Maisha was Rabbi Shalom. He had several daughters, but his only son was Rabbi Shalom Safran, who was the son-in-law of Rabbi Yisrael Perlov of Stalin, the Yanuka of Stalin, the famous Yanuka of Stalin. And therefore, he had an interesting Karlin influence in the Kamarna court. He changed the praying style of Kamarna during his tenure as Rebbe. And he, he, he took on the custom of the very loud and the davening and boisterous davening of Karlin, which is very different than the subdued nature of the Kamarna davening. So he incorporated some customs of Karlin into the Kamarna court. And he passed away rather young in his 40s in uh, 1937. So he's uh, replaced, and he's succeeded by his son, Rebarach Safran of Komarna, which was, he was the last Rebbe to serve in the town of Komarna itself. And all the Rebbes up until that point are buried in Komarna, and, and till today you have their, their, their uh, burial site and their, their graves go to. Um, and um, in, because his father passed away, young Rebarach was 23 when he took the mantle of leadership, and he was very warm and fatherly Rebbe, and he was the first one to found the yeshiva. Again, talking about the interwar period, where it's becoming um, in the, during the crisis of Hasidism uh, during the Hasidic movement during that time, which I've mentioned in other episodes. So one of the approaches to to the crisis was to found educational frameworks uh, for Hasidic groups, which had not existed before that, especially in Galicia. And here, the Kamarna follows that lead, and he founds a yeshiva named after his father. Um, and 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 uh, that becomes uh, a component of the Kamarna Hasidus. And interestingly enough, when the Mincha Salazar, who was his brother-in-law, passed away, uh, so so some Munkach Hasidim joined joined him, joined the Kamarna. Uh, so they became part of the the. So there is a lot of affiliation with the Hungarian. Uh, his influence in 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 Hungary and Czechoslovakia beyond Galicia at the time. And when the war breaks out, he had an escape route to Hungary. He does this Rebarach Safran. He does not utilize it because his desire was to stay together with his followers in Kamarna, which was in Poland at the time. And he sold everything from his ancestors. He's in Kamarna. He has all these heirlooms, which are valuable, from his great and illustrious ancestors. He sells them all 
to be able to use the prophets to assist the refugees during the war. It could blow your mind, especially when we appreciate what those type of heirlooms mean in the Hasidic movement. But he you know, just dropped everything to be able to help others during this terrible time. Um, and uh, he was shot and killed in the Sambor, which is right near Kamarna. Uh, it's also a branch of the Kamarna Hasidus was in Sambor. Um, earlier on, and he was shot and killed in the Sambor ghetto in on Shavuos, again, the same time of year that we're discussing, uh, in 1943. Now, besides for this straight line, there was quite a few other branches of the movement. Most of them were wiped out during the war. One of the more interesting offshoots was a fellow by the name of Rabbi Shem Klinberg. Very unique name, Shem. Shame. Uh, he was from a different branch. Uh, if we go back to the original Rabbi Yitzhak Isaacal, Rabbi Isaacal of, of, of Komarna, so he had a son-in-law named Rabbi Menashe Klinberg. So this is his grandson, Rabbi Shem uh, Klinberg. He became a Rebbe in Krakow, and he was a very, very influential uh, um, leader in interwar Poland. Uh, today is not so well known, but he was very, very influential at the time. He had this rather rare name, which was bestowed on him by his illustrious great-grandfather of Isaacal. He chose this name, Shame, to be his name. He was very popular among the Polish rabbinate and Hasidic leadership of the day. His Mechutin was actually the Ger Rebbe, or the Mriemes, who held him in very high esteem. And also, he was very close with, with Menachem Zemba, the Radzina Rebbe, the Sochachev Rebbe, all the great Rebbe's of Poland, Central Poland, um, were, uh, who he had a relationship with. Also, of course, his, his relative, his distant relative, the Minchas Elazar of Munkach. Um, and he um, also, uh, which may be the reason that he was closer with the Rebbe's of Poland than the Rebbe's of Galicia, was that he was a supporter of the Agudas Yisrael, which is also unique in, 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 in his, you know, his, his, uh, his, uh, his, a part of Galicia. Even more interesting is that the Ger Rebbe, the Imre Emes, was very circums- who was very circumspect with his choice of words and was never effusive with compliments or exaggerated praises. The Ger Rebbe was known for that, never did any of that. And yet he stated on several occasions, something astounding, that Reb Shem Klinberg was a holy person who had Ruach HaKodesh, which is not something that he gave. He stated about pretty much anyone else. Um, Reb Shem, this Reb Shem was in Krakow when the war commenced, and he tried to hide for a time in a nearby town. He was eventually caught, and he was shot and killed in the famous, or infamous rather, plush of uh, concentration camp on the outskirts of Krakow. That's the site of Schindler's List. Much of his family was wiped out as well, though a couple of children uh, did survive. Um, if we move to the post-war, there's the rebuilding of the Kamarna uh, Hasidic dynasty, because Rebbe Yezer Tzvi, the domestic Eliezer, who I mentioned, had another son named Rav Mordechai Safran, who was the Rebbe in Borislov, another town, not in, in Kamarna itself. Though much of his family was also wiped out in the Holocaust, there was one son named Reb Chaim Yaakov, who had immigrated to the United States before the war. He had moved to Hungary during World War I, along with most of the Rebbes of the Kamarna dynasty during, the, during World War I, but he stayed there during the interwar period when everyone else moved back to Poland. Uh, he feared what was to come in Europe, and he therefore immigrated to the United States shortly before the war. And he moves to the Lower East Side and establishes a Kamarna Stiebel on the Lower East Side. Um, he later moved to Yerushalayim in 1961, where he opened the Stiebel uh, near his house in, in, uh, in Geula, in Malche Yisrael. Um, and this, right off Kikr Shabbos in Geula, today is known as the Scratch and Pray Minion Factory in Geula. That is a Kamarna Stiebel, where there's 
right in the middle of everything. Here are all the pizza stores and farm stores and bakeries and, and buying lotto tickets and gift shops. And there's this minion factory that is minyanim constantly all throughout the hours of day and night. And that was the original Kamarna stable of Yerushalayim. And he would daven there for hours. He was actually known for his long, long davening through several of the minyanim in the morning. He was also a tremendous baltstaka, and he personally supported many of the Jerusalem poor at his own t- at that time with his own finances. His son, uh, Reb Shalom Safran, was the primary builder of Kamarna post-war. Reb Aaron of Bells, Reb Aaron of Belzer, crowned him as the Kamarna Rebbe, uh, and he served as the Kamarna Rebbe for over half a century until his passing in 1998. Very, very influential in building and publishing the Kamarna Sfarim and republishing many of the old Kamarna Sfarim. And uh, he was a student of the Minchas Lazar of Munkach as well. His first wife and children were killed during the war. He miraculously survived the Holocaust, and he attempt to come, attempted to come to Palestine through the illegal Aliyah Bet, and immigrated on a boat, uh, attempting to bypass the British blockade that was known as the Hapala, or the Mapilim. And it was caught when he and the others uh, were deported to internment camps on Cyprus. So you have here a future Kamarna Rebbe in Cyprus, and trying to go through Aliyah Bet. A uh, very interesting story. Uh, since his passing, so his children have continued. Like I mentioned, one of his children is in the Kamarna Rebbe in Arze Habira. Um, there's also branches in uh, Beit Shemesh and Yerushalayim and several places in Yerushalayim, Bnei Brak and Bara Park, Lakewood, and uh, and others. So there's um, there's uh, it's a fascinating story, and I hope to get to a little bit more in depth and some more stories about specific. Uh, uh, time periods of the throughout the Kamarna dynasty in part two. So this was just a general overview. So this is Yehuda Geber with Jewish History Soundbites. You can reach me at Yehuda Geber at Ye- excuse me. You can reach me at Yehuda at YehudaGeber.com for questions, comments, sources, tours, trips, uh, lectures, and sponsorships. And of course, our Morocco tour that's uh, coming up with ENS Tours info at uh, ENS.com. Uh, so, um, so, uh, and you can subscribe to Jewish History Soundbites on uh, Podbean or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter at J Soundbites, and I hope you enjoyed.